2: Play. Cause you never know what's gonna happen in this sport. In this sport, you never know with with these fights.
0: Anything is possible. I do look at myself as being one of the most dominant fighters in MMA history. He didn't know it was gonna be a buffet though. He thought it was gonna be a three-piece. Now you're getting the whole MGM Grand buffet to the face, man.
3: What's up, Fight fans? It's time for another episode of the RJ Ringside Podcast, where we bring you up to date on all things happening in the combat sports world. I'm your host, Heidi Fang, joined today with Adam Hill and Larry Mir. You can find all our coverage on ReviewJournal.com. Don't forget, wherever you're listening to this podcast, to subscribe, check out the show, leave us some comments, let us know what you think. We love hearing from you guys, and you can follow all of us on social media, either at ReviewJournal to keep up with everything going on with our stories and articles, videos online or at Adam Hill LVRJ at Larry Mir and I'm at Heidi Fang this is the week of UFC 247 happening in Houston this one John Jones putting his belt on the line against Dominic Reyes an undefeated guy coming up here to face uh, I guess you could call him the pound per, per pound king right now in the uh, UFC just maybe under Habib Nurmagomedov Adam sorry because I know that's your guy I know yeah, that's, that's your guy true. but
2: <laughs> John John was asked about that on uh, ESPN yesterday, and Max Kellerman made the case for uh, Nurmagomedov being number one pound for pound, and John Jones simply laughed.
3: Really? I wouldn't yeah. laugh at that. I mean, he talks yeah. about all these undefeated guys and how much he respects them. Um, uh, and he said he's, <laughs> he said he
2: respects uh, a lot of what Nurmagomedov does. He, he respects him as a fighter. He likes what he does, but he just said to look look back at his resume, which, to be fair, there is a lot of guys on those resume we're like yeah that guy really wasn't that great so uh, so john said basically the difference is i fought nothing but world champions for the last 10 years and he fought a bunch of guys that nobody's ever heard of which is it's accurate it's yeah. not That's unfair kind of it, it's it's the way that omagomatov has handled those guys that i think has been most impressive and omagomatov has that ability in his next fight to kind of add to that resume a little bit
3: Here's two interesting things when you look at their records. John Jones has a loss to someone who I don't think he lost to, and Habib has a win against someone I don't think he beat. Gleason Tebow, Gleason Bow set the the prototype and the way blueprint of how to beat him. Um, Larry, how are you doing today?
1: I'm um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. A little uh, tired. We got
3: we got some new mics here on on this in the studio and hopefully you know, it makes my voice sound way mic. better.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Audio chocolate.
3: So uh, if you have the smooth sounds of Larry Mir here, you know it's because he is speaking on a nice new microphone here in the studio today. Um, We're going to get into this whole fight card, UFC 247, break it down. We're going to hear from John Jones and Dominic Reyes. We were able to catch up with them on a conference call this week. Um, On that conference call, I thought it was pretty interesting that we were just speaking about it, the undefeatedness of these fighters and how it gets them up for the challenge. I mean, and that's something John Jones spoke to about on the conference call about facing Dominic Reyes and why he chose this fight.
0: You don't have great pride in every piece of the puzzle. Uh, it, it, you just can't have a masterpiece at the end. And, uh, and that's how I do it. So I know I have to take Dominic very seriously. I'm going to have to take Corey Anderson very seriously. Uh, and, and Johnny Walker very seriously. Um, in order to go down with the off home. of all time. every game counts. I really like the fact that he's undefeated. You know, I, I think something special comes out of me when I fight guys who are undefeated. Uh, you know, Ryan Bader was undefeated. He's now the double champ. Uh, that, that excited me. Daniel Cormier was undefeated and uh, looked at as, you know, close to invincible by many people. Um, that excited me. I passed those tests You know, Glover was on a 20-fight win streak when I met him. Uh, so it definitely brings out more when I'm fighting someone who's never taken defeat before. Uh, I feel like Dominic has a attitude of, uh, of being superior and, uh, and it's gonna feel great, uh, to win his first take to defeat.
3: I thought it was interesting that you hear the name Dominic Reyes as opposed to Corey Anderson. Not because, I, I mean, I think they're both equally there and ready to face for the title as their next fight. But for John Jones, I get why he took Dominic Reyes because... Not that he's like scared of Corey Anderson or anything, but I think when you look at what he's done, like historically, he's always liked to try to play up to the challenge of his opponent. So if his opponent is like a big wrestling guy, he wants to wrestle them. And you know, if it's somebody that's really great at Muay Thai, he wants to outstrike them. That's just something that we've always seen him do. So, uh, I mean, when you look at Dominic Reyes and all that he's brought to the table in the UFC, Adam, what do you see as like his biggest strengths and where you expect Jones to really try to? like try to play even with him, if you will.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think what you look at with Dominic Reyes is right away, you just look at the resume and see what he has done. And that's, you know, finish people, you know, early. That That's part of what he was doing kind of earlier in his career. Uh, he had a couple of spots where he wasn't overly impressive as he started to get into some better competition uh, in the last couple of fights. But then he bounces out with that knockout of Weidman, and that, that is what really propelled him into this spot. But he's a guy who earlier... Uh, in his career was knocking everybody out in the first round. Uh, that was the the book on him. So that's that's where he can be particularly dangerous. Now, again, you step up and you fight guys like Ovin St. Preux, Volkan Oz- Ozdemir, who are not the elite of the elite, but are a better competition. And that's uh, fights where he was driven uh, the distance. He had to kind of you know figure out ways to win later on in the fight. Uh, but Weidman, again, he was back on track. And I think that is the one that um, you know, people kind of know him for. That's the one that sprung him into this, and that's the one I think John Jones will be prepared for. Uh, he he's a guy that can uh, end fights very quickly and very early. Uh, but I I don't know that he's. In fact, I do know that he's never been on this level. So mm-hmm. so that's that's something that you're going to have to try to overcome uh, if you're Dominic Reyes. And I just think that spotlight is going to be the biggest challenge for him to try to get over. Uh, and I don't know that he's going to be able to because John Jones doesn't exactly. Uh, let you kind of get comfortable. Uh, he'll he'll do things to to throw you off and not let you settle in. And so I expect Jones to kind of go after him. Um, you know, try to take advantage of him early because uh, John Jones isn't coming off one of his better performances either. So I think he's going to want to get in and yeah. and kind of showcase a little bit.
3: Something I thought was interesting that I saw in embedded about Dominic Reyes was that um, we know that in the past he was aspiring to play in the NFL. Um, I guess his number and everything that he wore was twenty four and the reason being because he's a guy that uh, grew up in the Victorville area in Los Angeles area his favorite teams were the Lakers and um you know the Dodgers so he said that his number was chosen because Kobe Bryant was his guy it was who he like aspired to look at at that pro athlete level so he said and embedded that he's going to put everything forward for Kobe so i think that's pretty interesting when you have somebody that has like that extra sense of like i really want to get after this to really kind of, you know, pay homage, if you will, to somebody else that was a very high level athlete. But I mean, um, while I respect that and appreciate what he's trying to do, you know, it's great to have all that inspiration and all, but John Jones is just somebody who plays on a different level. Um, But you never, you never know.
2: Storylines, sometimes narratives take off and maybe this is the, you know, the Kobe tribute narrative and you know he'll be inspired to to step up and and live up you know Kobe loved the spotlight maybe mm-hmm. Dom Reyes loves it in this case now it it it, it seems like during the build up he's maybe not ready for it uh, but you just never know when the when the lights go on and you walk into the cage maybe you're a, you're a gamer and you get that you know inspiration from somebody and it, it some sometimes those go completely wrong and you you're expecting this big narrative and it goes the other way but sometimes there's just that you know sports makes funny stories sometimes
1: so what's the narrative if he wins like, what? obviously, the UFC doesn't Kobe, want him to win. Kobe
2: inspired him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, Kobe carried him.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm
1: saying for the fight game, what's the narrative, let's say, if he wins, like, for the UFC and stuff like that? Obviously, if John wins, that's a way more marketable, you know, fight in the future. If Reyes wins, like, what's...
2: Well, the rematch becomes massive because yeah. then you've got, you know, the guy that sprung the, the crazy upset that nobody expected, taking on the, you know, longstanding, undefeated, well, technically not, but... Uh, we all know undefeated John Jones the the one that uh, was looked at as one of the greatest champions of all time and those rematches always become big now it does prevent you from uh, I think they plan a heavyweight title fight for John Jones later this year uh, it keeps you from that for a while Uh, but they'll you know they'll figure out other ways to you know to capitalize on that if, if that did happen
1: I mean honestly would you guys rather see John fight heavyweight or Izzy?
3: I think at this point, if you're just you know starting to look at the rest of the light heavyweight division, there's not a lot of depth right now. And I think for Jones, you know, your body at some point it it's not easy to cut weight, uh, and you're starting to grow and be you know. It started. It's starting to be at the point where he needs new challenges. And I think for him to be able to get those challenges, he will have to move up to heavyweight. Uh, I don't think that. It's a place for him to stay right now. I, I think that there are still a few challenges left for him, like we talked about Corey Anderson. I think there's there's a place for that fight because, you know, Corey Anderson, part of the reason Jones said he didn't want to fight him was because he hasn't been finishing people, that um, he's just kind of this guy that grinds out fights and gets these wins. But I, I think that Anderson's a very hungry guy. His old former nickname, as we all know, was twenty 258 25 hours a day eight days a week so like when, when you look at the the way that he's always kind of built himself around his work ethic and the way that he like pushes harder than anybody i've ever seen in the gym like this guy is somebody who'll get up for that challenge and i, I, I could see him facing jones and really being hungry and, and getting after it
1: you guys think uh john's mindset is past the light heavyweight division like he feels like hey I'm, I'm the king of this division there's nobody and now he's just looking for those super fights or those those mega fights that's going to put him on that that goat, that one for one, you know, that number one pound for pound level.
2: He He's talked about the fact that he needs a second belt to do that just because that's been done a couple times. It's now. been established, yeah. uh, Because th- that kind of is the the measuring stick now of, you know, that status. So I, I think that's something that now has become important to him because it was, nobody had done it, uh, you know, simultaneously. Uh, a couple guys had done it, you know, Kator had done it in two divisions, but, you know, Connor set that standard of. Of getting the uh, simultaneous belt, and now you've got a couple other people do it. So now it's like, okay, you know, Amanda Nunez did it. And yeah. so now, now, and Henry Cejudo, of course. So now it's like, okay, that's a sta- that's a standard now. If you want to be considered one of the greats, somehow that has become, you know, kind of a mark of you have to accomplish this. So I think he feels like he has to accomplish that at some point. Uh, and that's why he's going to be driven to do it. But when you go back to which fight would you rather see, I think, you know, f- uh, from a competitive standpoint, I think I'd rather see Jones at heavyweight fighting, you know, Mi- or even Cormier if he had the heavyweight title. I think that's a different fight at heavyweight than it was the light heavyweight. Uh, so I, I think I'd rather see him from a competitive standpoint there. But the I've I have gotten to kind of a point with this sport that I'm. So much more excited about buildup than I am actual fights for a lot of times, and I think Adesanya Jones buildup would be so incredible.
1: Uh, Mealsick and Jones, I totally would love to see. I'm over the Cormier Jones thing. I think that's yeah. just a bad matchup it's a for different Cormier fight at
2: heavyweight, though.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a bad matchup for Cormier uh, heavyweight or light heavyweight. I think Jones would win that fight nine out of ten times. You know, um,
2: yeah. I, I think it's a completely different fight, and and Cormier is never you know until until uh, got him, he never even lost a round. At I mean, he's been so dominant uh, at heavyweight. So I, I just think, you know, him, he's much more comfortable to me at heavyweight, and I don't think it's that much of a stretch for Jones to get up there. So I do still think Jones is a favorite for a reason in that fight, but I, I do think it's a different fight at heavyweight than it was light heavyweight. Yes.
3: Definitely. And if you look to like at the top five, just of the light heavyweight division, if we're going to talk about Jones going heavyweight or light heavyweight, I mean, he's cleaned out all of these guys is right on here on the UFC rankings. There's Tiago Santos, Daniel Cormier, Anthony Smith, uh, Dominic Reyes, and Corey Anderson. So if he gets past Reyes, um, the only guy left in the top five that he hasn't, you know defeated yet it's Corey Anderson so it's uh I think like I was saying a lot of depth there is just kind of running low on opponents for Jones but uh the same case could be made down the road for a lady named Valentina Shevchenko who I believe is the biggest favorite on this card as she faces Caitlyn Chukagian. Biggest favorite
2: in any sport in any <laughs> history. Okay. Right.
3: well wasn't there somebody who was a 14 to 1 at one point was that the GSP Matt I Sarah?
2: Think, yeah but I think that's isn't that what Shevchenko is still at? I, oh I is she? It I, I saw 12 to 1. I think uh okay. Okay. I think I saw this morning she was between minus fourteen dollars and minus sixteen dollars almost everywhere.
3: Oh, okay, okay. I had seen it at twelve on this ESPN uh that's running behind us. I believe the Dan Lebertard show was on, so that's where I wow. saw that. Um,
2: uh, yeah, there's there's a couple spots. I'm looking in the global market right now. There's actually she's down to minus down to minus nine fifty at one spot, but uh minus fourteen dollars, minus fifteen dollars, minus fourteen fifty. Uh so there's a pretty wide range. I, I would expect a number to come down. A lot uh, if you want to bet on Shevchenko, which good luck, (laughs) uh, (laughs) but wait, definitely wait on that because anytime you have a fight like this where there's a massive favorite, everyone's just going to bet the underdog kind of looking for that lottery ticket. So if you want to bet Chukagian, do it now. Uh, If you want to bet Shevchenko for whatever reason, wait until uh, just before the fight, you'll get the best number.
3: Yeah, so this one, I mean… The odds makers aren't giving Chikagan a chance. Is anyone here in this room giving nope. Chikagan <laughs> no. I can't even
2: say her name. <laughs> nope, not happening.
3: Yeah, um, I was watching just some of the tape. And granted, you know, when the camera crews come and they're out there and they're doing, you know, the embedded thing, you're not maybe putting on a full training show for them because you don't want to give away everything that you're doing to prepare for your camp. But I mean, some of the kicks she was throwing versus the kicks that Chevchenko's throwing. Man, if you throw a kick like that, I saw the Chikagan throw and embedded against Valentina Shevchenko, you're going to end up on your butt and praying to the lights above to just stay on because <laughs> you don't want those to That could be out showmanship,
1: though, too. I, I've yeah. seen my cousin do that when the cameras are around, like just look absolutely horrible and throwing combos and mm-hmm. doing that on purpose just sure. to possibly throw somebody off. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it could be showmanship. Or it could be she just doesn't know how to throw a kick, you know.
3: Yeah, um, I mean, you know, she's been like pretty much of a striker as far as what I've seen in um, her UFC fights. And that's been her forte. But Shevchenko does it so much better. No disrespect to this girl and her hard work. But well, yeah, Caitlin
2: Shevchenko is just a very she's a very good fighter. I mean, yeah. she's she is what she is. She's she's, you know, talented. She's solid all around. She's just not on the same level as Shevchenko. Right. No, <laughs> nobody is. So that that's a. That's just a really tough matchup. I I don't I don't know because usually, if you see a number like this, you start just trying to make the case. You know, I I made the case. Uh, actually, was doing a a gambling show this morning. Last time I was on there was before two forty six, and they said, you know, what if you're just kind of a casual fan, what's the best bet to make on the card? And I said Roxanne Matafari, because not that I thought she was going to win necessarily, right? But path was there Mm -hmm. there was a path for her to win as you know eight nine to one underdog to try to you know to try to collect the money like that so anytime you see a big number uh you start to try to make that case like hey how could this fight how could this happen so that this pays off i don't see the path to victory i just don't see it so i I think it becomes very difficult to try to make that case
1: i mean all her i sorry um all her victories in the ufc are by decision also it looks like so i don't I like mean, at least
3: 10 of them, I think. That'd
1: be a bad idea to try to grind out five rounds mm-hmm. against Valentine. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> And uh, striking accuracy, when you just look at the numbers, What I'm looking at here on the UFC website, Valentina's at 50% with accuracy and Caitlin's under 32. So that's something it just you want an edge somewhere against her to be able to have, like you were saying, Adam, the narrative to be able the path to beat her. I don't see it. Um, And again, no disrespect to everybody and their hard work. It's just Valentina is that good. And that's something like Adam was saying. You want to get the good numbers on her? Wait till it gets really close to the fight. But on that note, let's go ahead and take a quick break. And we will be back after we hear from Untuck It. Ever see an untucked button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, untucked shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50-plus fit combinations, untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Untuck It is the kind of shirt that you can just pick out, wear right away. It'll fit your frame perfectly. It'll fall where you want it to. It makes it a good go to for any occasion choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-down super soft flannels outerwear and more with untuck it your shirts will never look baggy bulgy too long or too big again and their website is so easy to use they even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit so whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart relaxed style of your own untuck it is the way to go visit Untuckit.com and use code blue for 20% off at checkout that's dot com and promo code blue for 20% off All right, welcome back to RJ Ringside with Heidi Fang, Larry Mir, Adam Hill. We're going to break down the rest of this UFC 247 fight card for you. And one of the fan favorite fights here that I know Larry is really looking forward to, the Black Beast, Derek Lewis taking on Alir Latifi, who will make his UFC heavyweight debut. This is a pretty interesting fight because I can't picture Latifi competing very well with the heavyweights that are in the UFC. He's like we were talking about before the show. He's looked undersized as a light heavyweight. Um this is a guy who's all muscle. He's a tank. Uh he's probably I mean all that muscle to feed just swinging away with heavyweight power, you're going to gas uh Derek Lewis does also have his uh share of you know known poor cardio yeah, it gonna, could be one of those fights that I don't
2: that, know that Lewis has an advantage cardio I don't know that anybody no, has an advantage in cardio
3: not in <laughs> the heavyweight I mean there's not there's very few guys that do like a chick but um when you look at this this could end up being either one of those heavyweight fights where it's over in the first round by knockout or it drags on for the whole three rounds and these guys are just trying to like swing and punches then, at each and other. Then Derek across knocks the out in
2: the last 5 seconds.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: This this is a fight you want to end early. Like nobody yeah. wants to see what this looks like in a third round. <laughs>
3: I do now that we talked although, about it.
2: <laughs> although Latifi I I think could be different at heavyweight. I mean if he's not if he's not cutting and he's not he might not be the same um just, you know, Muscle Shark or whatever you want to call him, uh, he might look different. Sean Shark, yeah, Uh, the old throwback reference. Yeah, Uh, he's not going to quite. He just he does look like a just a giant Sean Shark, but uh, he's not. (laughs) I can't get that out of my head. He might not. His body looks like that. Uh, He might not look the same way uh, at heavyweight. So I I think that'll be interesting to see where he looks. He he might have better. He might be a guy that has better cardio at heavyweight because he's not just uh, straight muscle.
3: Yeah, it could be. One thing that's not playing in his advantage is the reach. I mean, there's a five and a half inch difference on the reach between Derek Lewis's uh, arm reach size and Latifi's. Larry- more like
2: a muscle gator. T-rex yeah, muscle T-Rex. short arms. Muscle T-Rex.
3: Muscle T-Rex. You know, he wants to an interview with Latifi. I was telling you guys about this before the show. We're, we were on Skype, and he has these cute little two dogs that, you know, he walks around. And he, it's, it's like one of those things you see a really big dude, and he's like two little tiny yeah, dogs. A little
1: little, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little troubling for me when I, take, I see that.
2: I take offense to that. Uh, oh, that's right. <laughs> somebody with two little tiny dogs. <laughs> <laughs> they're,
3: they're adorable. You do have adorable dogs. I've seen them, and uh, they're, they're very. You. Yeah, I didn't mean yeah, that in any cool. offensive way. <laughs> no, no,
1: no, sorry, I take that back. Foot in my mouth. Yeah. A- anyway, um, I think uh, Latifi's in trouble here because Derek is not only have like knockout power, like Derek does. Yes, I do. Okay, <laughs> I- I'm a big fan of like awesome post fight um comments and stuff like that. And Lewis has had some of the great ones. My all time favorite, not to backtrack and get off subject, was when the champ champ won his first two belts, and he was like, "I'd like to apologize." To absolutely nobody. Like that to me was the greatest post fight thing. Back to Derek Lewis. Um, <laughs> uh, to me, he's gotten um, he's he's um, he's gotten better as the fights have progressed. Like he's always like he, his stand up has looked like it's progressing, and you know he he's been conscious about his weight and and his cardio and stuff like that. So he has been getting better. I feel, and I think you're going to see that his his striking has always looked sharper each fight to me. And I I just think Latifi's in trouble. Um, I'm not impressed by Latifi. I think he's coming up to uh, heavyweight. Because of something you were talking about about John earlier, it's a lot harder to cut weight. Probably easier to make that heavyweight division for him, and it's just I don't know. That's a bad first heavyweight fight for him.
3: Well, and this one too. I mean, he's going to have that hometown advantage behind him. This is in H Town, Houston, Texas, at the to- Toyota Center, happening this Saturday. I, once I don't again. think he's
2: thrilled about it. I, I, I don't think he it's I think a lot of pressure. He, he's kind of excited to fight at home, but I think at the same time, um, and he talked to us a little a little bit about it. But I think even more, there's just. When you fight at home, there's certainly advantages of, you know, being able to sleep at your own bed and, and having your nutrition and, and everything that you always, it's it's in a perfect spot exactly where you want it to be. All those things are good, but, you know, all of the all of the requests and all of the, you know, cousins who you didn't even know existed and, you know, family members that are asking for tickets and uh, all the media attention too that, that you have to do that he, he doesn't love doing. Um, all of those things add up. And, and I think... You know, there there is something to be said about getting away and getting away from all that, and and not being a part of all that, not not kind of being the center of attention on everything. Uh, that I think is beneficial. So I, it 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 can go either way. I think if you win, it becomes great because you're at home and you get to celebrate and do all those things. But there's a lot of pressure to perform and not be that guy that loses or gets knocked out in your hometown in front of all your friends.
3: Yeah, I remember also like when he was um, fighting here, he had said like how his wife was kind of like trying to urge him to continue to compete when he was trying to retire. So you have that kind of pressure on you too, like a family could be right around your camp and telling you anything that they want to say about what you should or shouldn't be doing.
1: What, what did he tell you? He needed a lot of baby powder and chapstick while he was out here. It's a great interview, man. The guy's awesome.
3: Yeah. Well, on the flip side, you know, of this, you have uh, a couple of guys competing in heavyweight on this. Main card that I think combined have a single win in the UFC, and that's Justin Taffa and Juan Adams. Um, they're both prospects. I mean, coming out of contender series for Juan Adams and Justin Tafa, um, you know, he came out in the Whitaker Adesanya fight uh, in his debut. He lost to Jorgen De Castro, but these are guys right now who are up and coming in the heavyweight division. It's interesting that they are on the pay per view card because, like I said, they have a total I think of I want to say four UFC fights between them and one win in, in those four fights so usually you're used to seeing people who are like you know known names on the UC pay-per-view card but there was a lot of switching around that happened with this card uh, that was supposed to be a lot of different fights but like O'Malley Sean O'Malley was supposed to be on this he failed a USADA test um, he was supposed to fight Jose uh, Quiñones and then you had Ovin St. Preux and Ryan Spann at one point point um osp at that time wasn't sanctioned by usada but now he had this three month suspension that came over that so i i think that it was just one of those fights that fell apart because of either contracts or they wanted to go a different way with that one then you had diego lima and alex um, morono that was supposed to be on this card you had jimmy rivera versus marlon vera that was supposed to be on this card all of these kind of turned off because it turned out of the card because of injury so now here we are and we're looking at it and there's like three fights on the espn card three fights on the uh, prelim uh, under card with the prelims on uh, fight Pass and espn plus so then you have juan adams justin toffa on on the main card so i mean adam uh, when you look at this uh, main card aside from the top two fights is there one in there i mean we talked about Derek lewis is that the one that you think people are most looking forward to
2: yeah, I mean, I think anytime you have Derek Lewis fighting, uh, people are excited for that. And for, you know, people like Larry just to hear what he says afterwards if he <laughs> wins. Uh, so that's that's always intriguing. I, I do think the Adams fight uh, becomes somewhat interesting because Juan Adams is a guy that there was some expectations on. Uh, he came through. He's a guy that was a college wrestler, uh, had some NFL trials despite not even playing college football, which is kind of strange. Yeah. Uh, so he, he's a guy that I think has some athleticism, some ability but he just has not looked good his last two fights. I mean, the, the fight against Hardy was just a disaster. Garbage. So so I, I, I think that th- this is a huge test for him. He's also a Houston guy, so another guy kind of fighting at home. Th- this is a, a big spot uh, for him who started his career looking so promising, getting to the UFC very quickly after like four or five fights, and then – You know, winning a a fight in the contender series, winning a fight in the UFC, and then just looking terrible for two fights. Uh, Can he put it together? And by the way, he's a pretty big favorite. So I think you look at, you know, uh, Tafa, who, uh, pretty good striker from New Zealand, uh, didn't look great in his fight either in the UFC. So uh, a lot of pressure on both of them to try to 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 look good and get a victory. I mean,
1: that loss to uh, Hardy might play in Adams' um, favor because as an MMA fighter— you know, the big thing, I, I don't know, I know amongst the guys I've trained with and whatnot, the, the one thing you want to do is put someone who you feel doesn't belong in the cage with you out. And I think that was a huge ego hit to him not being able to put Hardy out because Hardy hasn't been training as much as probably Adams hasn't, put you know what I'm saying? And so, like, maybe he's going to come back with this this uh, chip on his shoulder and that that's enough drive to make him more dangerous in this fight. Or maybe he's not good. Yeah, maybe. I mean, (laughs) that too. But I mean, I mean, the way you explain like his accolades from back in the day, he sounds like a legit guy, like a legit athlete that could be a good fighter, you know, and maybe he just had maybe the pressure got to him with that fight. It was Greg Hardy, you know, great. I I don't know. I I think Greg Hardy, no disrespect to Greg Hardy, is not on the level of the UFC um, heavyweight division yet. And to me, Juan Adams looked, it was embarrassing to lose that fight to him. You know, he should have he should have won that fight. And maybe this is the drive he needs to, to have a good performance against Taffa, who is not an impressive heavyweight.
3: Uh, so lastly, let's just get into the last fight here because it does feature a Las Vegas uh, training-based uh, fighter here in Dan EJ against Merced Bektik. There's a featherweight fight happening on this fight card UFC 247. Um, I think, you know, you definitely have seen the two have their ups and downs here in their fight career, but I think that this fight kind of favors Dan EJ, even though Bektik is a beast. I mean, he comes out and he holds nothing back there in the cage. He's very um, well adept at doing anything that he needs to do to win a fight. So, and Dan EJ, though, I mean, he showed some slickness in his last fight when he came out and defeated um, Kevin Aguilar. He's had some good ones also. Um, I, I believe it was like, a, I'd see this Mike uh, Santiago fight where he had the TKO. That one was impressive. So um, he's had some good fights here in the UFC. Um, what do you make of this one, Adam?
2: Yeah, Dan has looked really, really good his last four fights. Uh, but I will challenge anybody listening right now. Try to make a guess at anybody who's fought in his last four fights, and I, I will guarantee nobody, nobody gets it. I'm I'm sure of that. So it's it's you know it's one thing to to start looking better, and I think you can build some confidence and, and really start getting your game together. Uh, but it's all about what you can do when you start stepping up in competition. And this is absolutely a big step up um, in competition in this fight. And I just think, uh, it might be maybe a little too much. It's a big test of exactly where his game is, 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 is what he's done over the last four fights, um, you know, a a huge transformation and, 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 improvement and just getting better. And, and from what you talk, when you talk to people in the gym, that's what they say that he just is getting that much better. But you you have to see when you go up against better fighters and this will be that test.
3: And, you know, when you look at Bektik's record, he has fought names that people know, or, you know, big names even, like Ricardo Lamas, uh, Darren Elkins was somebody who's quite a contender in the featherweight division. Uh, Josh Emmett was, you know, early up and coming for a timing, and then, you know, that was his recent loss. So, uh, when you look at the level of competition in the UFC that Bektik's fought, he's definitely fought some guys that everybody should know that's listening to the podcast at least one of those names
2: yeah I I think definitely um and that's that's kind of where you're where you're at right now so uh we will see we will see whether or not I think it's a big test for for if it's for real from him
1: uh, I mean, it's a it's definitely a good test uh, testing ground to see where uh, e- EJ um, – it's a good testing ground for EJ, yeah. you know, to see where he's at. So, I mean, at least he'll know where he's at at, at that uh, elite level of uh, of the division, you know.
3: All right, so that'll do it here for the UFC 247 preview on the RJ Ringside Podcast. Again, the main event, light heavyweight title fight between John Jones and Dominic Reyes, co-main women's flyweight championship belt on the line, Valentina Shevchenko taking on Kate. Caitlin Chikagan. This one happening again on Saturday, Toyota Center in Houston, Texas. You can catch it on ESPN Plus for the pay-per-view, as well as the undercard and the prelim card will be featured on ESPN. All right, guys, so that'll do it for us. Again, keep up with everything that we put out on ReviewJournal.com and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. Drop us a comment. We love hearing from you. And follow us all on social media at Adam Hill LVRJ. I'm Matt Heidi Fang and at Larry So for both of the guys, I'm Heidi Fang. Thanks so much for listening.